Welcome to We Got Your Mac from SHI. If you're an enterprise executive or business leader trying to decide if Mac adoption at scale is right for your organization, this is the show for you. This week's hosts are Victoria Barber and Kevin English. Hi, Kevin. Welcome back to another episode. Hi, Victoria. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Now, you and I have been talking a lot about sustainability recently. In fact, pretty much every conversation we have, we're talking about sustainability. It's clearly something we're both passionate about. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is. As you said, you know, it's quite nice to have a planet to live on. One of the things we've been talking about recently that's come up in the Mac world is the fantastic new ad that Apple have done. And they're clearly putting sustainability absolutely front and center of the whole brand now. If we can do that with one of the things that consumes the most energy, laptops in the enterprise, then that just makes us makes me feel better. I don't know about you. In the early 2000s, you see those pictures of piles of, of IT kit in landfill sites or on beaches in Africa and things like that. And there were really horrendous photos. So, I mean, the industry as a whole is improving, right? But Apple have put together some really ambitious targets if they're talking about all products being carbon neutral by 2030. And they've also got a lot of commitment, not just to, to dealing with the carbon, but also the sourcing of ethical materials or using recycled materials and removing plastic from their packaging and products. So definitely sounds like they're going all in on it. And I did some digging into their sustainability report and they've actually made a huge amount of progress because since 2015, they've had a 45% reduction in emissions and 20% of materials used in product are now recycled or renewable. So while they're putting these ambitious targets out in front of us, actually, they've made quite a lot of progress already. On every content, we see the disposal of, you know, mass-produced electronics along with other things. And so to see a company, you know, take this serious is important. Most recently, we're starting to see in America, this is not new in, in the EU, is the right to repair. And so we still have a long way to go. I think Apple's got a toe in to right to repair. But what do you see from from your your viewpoint? Because I, I do think we learn a lot from 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 Europe in, as it pertains to to sustainability and and how to protect the environment long term. There's been a lot of discussion about it, particularly in the EU, because the EU has right to repair laws, and they're saying, yeah, Apple, you know. They've rolled it out. They've rolled out some, it's the same stuff that they've rolled out in the US and, and I think in eight countries, and it's for self-repair. But it's still quite limited in terms of the number of parts available and the fact that you still have to have proprietary tools. I mean, they supply them for free while you do the repair, but you still can't just get a screwdriver out of the box or off the shelf, take it apart and deal with it yourself with easily sourced parts. So... I think it's still something that they've got some work to do on and and to address. And while some people say, well, yeah, that's a, that's a consumer problem, not a business problem, actually businesses want to be able to turn these repairs around quickly. They don't sure. want to have to source special tools. I know plenty of companies that were self-maintainers, quote unquote, meaning they would take their devices in, they would become certified and they would do their own repair and replace. I am thankful that I have some folks on my team that, worked at Apple stores and know how to do this. But you're right, it's not as easy for a average employer or consumer to fix. My boss recently 
said he went to the Apple store to get his his daughter's MacBook repaired and the display was cracked. It cost him $600. I asked him, why didn't he buy another device? But I guess it's better to repair the device and keep it out of the landfill than just buy a new one. But it's not cost effective at the moment. What's interesting is there's some manufacturers like Fairphone and Framework who have products that have been designed from the start to be modular and repairable. Okay, they're smaller, they're they're currently niche pet players, but they've gone into it from that angle. So it would be really interesting to see how how and whether other manufacturers adopt some of the principles that these guys have put in place. I think the EU will have to force their hand. I don't know if the US is prepared to force the issue. Again, I think it's admirable that Apple is dipping their toe into right to repair, but I would like to see them lead more. They have finally gone with USB-C now after the EU legislation. But in the meantime, you're going to need an adapter to avoid throwing all of those existing Apple cables that you've got away, aren't you? I have hundreds, and I'm a special use case, but I'm sure others do because they went from USB-C to Lightning to Lightning to USB-C, whatever. And so, yeah, I guess I'm glad we're standardizing, but what do I do with the with the past? That's always the issue. So uh, we've talked a lot about about the hardware. Yeah. But actually, they've introduced some really interesting software features as well around sustainability. At one point, there were complaints that people you know, were finding that their charging had slowed down, and that was partly to do with trying to, reuse, to use renewable energy. Now they've actually put it into the software to say, hey, you can choose to recharge when the energy is likely to be, be cleaner. I think that that's great. And making it a choice means that those people who want to just need to charge now can do that but those who have the time can can make a positive choice and i've started to get some of those notifications like your your phone will be completely charged at 3:54 a.m. and i'm like no i want my phone completely charged now but i let it because i feel like i'm doing something better and i guess you're right it's like giving us a choice at the time where we're making a bad decision is probably the best thing that Apple can do. So, I mean, the other thing I know that when we were talking before you mentioned was, you know, the fact that we've got these products made from recycled materials that also have a really lovely design. Quite often when you think about recycled product, you think about stuff like that recycled paper that you try and write on it and all of the ink spreads out. You don't think of it as being a high quality product. Yeah, I'd like to upcycle as much as I can. And paper is, I would assume, has already been upcycled. But things like the plastic bags, which we can't use in the Northeast anymore, the old cables should be turned into like napkin holders or something. But yeah, there's a lot of bloat and inefficiencies in our supply chain. It's shocking. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because recycled material has always been seen as kind of a cheap alternative, but this is an opportunity to show that it's not. I mean, it's not like we can see the recycled cobalt in the batteries, right, or the recycled minerals in the magnet. And we can't tell that the aluminium's recycled. So we've got a fantastic device here. And the fact that it's made from recycled materials actually has no impact on us as an end user whatsoever. You mean aluminum? Aluminium. I see. 
I'll have to assume you have the proper pronunciation of that. Uh, yeah, well, you know, what they say about one nation divided by a common language. <laughs> Obviously, as you can tell, sustainability is something both Kevin and I are absolutely passionate about. And with that, I guess we'd better get on and go into this week's interview. After Kevin and I had our chat about sustainability, we decided that we really needed to get an expert in to, to talk about it because we have a lot of opinions, but not necessarily the knowledge. After all, surveys are consistently showing that sustainability is going up the agenda for CEOs and CIOs, and it's one of the top factors now considered in the buying process. And for many buyers, it's probably even more important than price in some cases. Now, those of you who are watching on YouTube will probably notice I'm also not in my usual studio, but I'm in a hotel room uh, as I'm traveling this week. So that may also impact on the quality of the video and the quality of the recording, for which I apologize. But sadly, we can't all stay at home all of the time. I'm getting to talk to Alison Mitchell, VP of Sustainability at Mobile Resale. So thank you very much for joining us on We Got Your Mac today, Alison. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Your whole career has been in sustainability. It's obviously something you're passionate about, experienced in. Yeah, so I've uh, started my career in real estate development and landscape architecture of all places and was very involved in the green building movement and then moved into municipal uh, sustainability and did that for a while. And so I've also uh, got a law degree. So I have sort of done sustainability for multiple different industries and different sectors and angles. And now I find myself in a tech startup um, in sustainability. So an interesting and new place to be. So it, it's very relevant to what we're going to talk about today. What does mobile resale do? So we help enterprises on the recovery phase of asset management. We are a software solution that basically allows for the circular economy for mobile devices by helping them retrieve those assets from their employees and then centralize them for data security, wiping, grading for quality, and then we sell them on the secondary market and then return those funds to the customers. Uh Sustainability, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's a hot topic right now. So what do you see as being the biggest challenges facing IT and business leaders who are, are trying to improve their environmental impact? Their, their default position on asset recovery is around recycling. And that is sort of a, where we started in this process, but we've really evolved beyond that because the secondary market is so big and is continues to expand. So I think a big opportunity in, in IT right now is thinking about those devices as having a second life and maintaining the value of those materials that are in those components for the long term to prevent the environmental impact and to preserve the energy that was already expended in their refining and extraction of materials and then manufacture and deployment. I have to say, I've seen some stats that's, that suggest a horrifyingly low proportion of endpoint devices are currently being recovered and recycled responsibly. So if those numbers are true, this that sounds like a really easy win for people to improve their sustainability record, frankly. It's very true. And we often get the question, you know, who's leading in this space? What customer, what enterprise is doing a really good job on recovery? And I like to tell people that, you know, it's kind of theirs for the taking. There aren't 
very many companies that are leading the way in doing this at scale, having a, a recovery process already contemplated at the deployment stage puts them far ahead of their their competitors or others in the industry. So they can really become leaders in this space very easily. You have to think about what are the drivers for people to do this ultimately in business. They want to know what's in it for them. And it, yeah, you can say, oh, well, we're doing the right thing and it, it's saving the planet. And that means that, you know, employees who and customers whose values align with that will therefore be more engaged with us. But ultimately, you know, there are other drugs. There's legislation coming in all the time, right? And it's also good business practice because quite often the sustainable solution is actually a cost-effective one because you're not wasting stuff. You're saving money by not throwing things away, even if it means your upfront costs might be higher if you're investing in a more sustainable solution. Yeah, and increasingly, and this is a largely driven by the legislation that you alluded to, both in the EU, across across the world, and then, you know, forthcoming any moment now from the SEC, as it relates to transparency from the supply chain, there's an expectation that's continuing to increase on having that level of transparency for where things are coming from, what the impacts of those movements are across the supply chain, and then through the value chain as well. Yeah. So obviously, this is a a podcast about Mac, right? So we have have to talk about Apple. And at their Wanderlust event, Apple premiered this fantastic new ad with Mother Nature. They're clearly putting sustainability front and center and betting on this as the future of their business. What was your initial reaction to this? I mean, that was quite a moment for me, just in general, having spent my entire career in sustainability, but then also to be in this space now in tech for Apple to make such a strong statement about their commitment to sustainability and do it in such a clever way. I think very positive and it's really setting a new standard for the industry and the the implications are very far reaching. I'm thinking back to the time when I was in the green building movement and I witnessed the impact that that movement made on real estate, design, building materials and construction industries. Everyone in that industry was impacted by this new standard of lead, gold, silver, platinum buildings. And uh, the demand for those just set a higher standard for more efficient and livable buildings. And I think we're witnessing that same kind of, you know, standard being raised and reset across this industry for IT. Well, fingers crossed that 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 is what happens, because often when we talk about sustainability or technology and sustainability together, people tend to focus on things like energy consumption and carbon emissions, because those are the headline items at the moment from the point of view of reporting. But what else do we need to consider when we're thinking about the environmental impact of our technology procurement solutions? Because there's a lot more to these devices than how much energy is consumed and how much carbon is emitted. Another really important consideration is the durability and the longevity of these devices. So when you make those procurement decisions, that's something to be thinking about. And it's about those the primary materials that are in those devices, but also those trace minerals as well. And sourcing of those materials is really key. And so that's why Apple, you know, setting the, the standard high for transparency and sharing what the impacts of their materials and their devices are is so critical because those in, those decisions have impacts on the environment and on society at large it was as it relates to labor and other procurement uh, movements in that process. 
Yeah, I, I was listening to something on the news the other day about I think it's possibly new lithium mine in Portugal, which is going to have a massive impact on the local environment and, and way of life. So I guess anything we can recycle that prevents us having to extract more of these materials that are more and more difficult to get at, and more and more disruptive, is going to be a good thing because it's not just that they go back into the environment as pollutants, but actually getting them out is a pretty invasive and polluting activity as well. Right. And they're finite resources. So the earth only has so many of these minerals. And, and obviously yeah. we are placing a higher and higher demand on these minerals as we transition, not only to, you know, very connected global society with devices, but also when we think about things like EV batteries and, and the transformation that's occurring in the transportation sector as well. So the demand on these materials has never been higher and it's going to continue to increase. So our stewardship of those materials um, for by preserving them in their highest and best state for as long as possible is really critical. So how do you see the adoption of Mac at scale as helping business leaders to achieve those sustainability goals in all of their complexity? I think it's a really exciting and expanding area right now for the metrics and the data that we're able to gather on these devices to inform decision-making and, and not only on the right sizing of an enterprise's device needs, but also on the reduction of the environmental impact that those devices are having during their deployment, during recovery, and then post-recovery as they become part of the secondary market. So there's a huge amount of information that we're able to attach to these or glean from these devices really as they move through that entire life cycle process. At the end of the day, these, if these leave your organization as waste, you've got to report on that as well. And, and, you know, I know you have people who say, you know, no landfill policy, but there's still waste at the end, even if there's no landfill, right? Yes. That's something that people, that term is a bit of a misnomer because they hear zero landfill and they think, oh, there's no waste generated at all. What do people end up with uh, at the end that they have to report on for their waste if, if something has reached end of life? So if it's sent to an incinerator, there is still the ashes from that process that have to go into the landfill. So to say zero landfill is, is a very difficult thing to achieve, if, if impossible. So it's really, uh, there is still waste generated by that, yeah. but it's just kind of in a different form and, and a little bit later. Can you give us an example of a customer that, that you've worked with where this has been, you know, this has been something that has really made significant impact on their organization and their business at end users or IT, whoever, where it's actually changed perhaps the way they think about their old IT assets, the things that they thought of in the past as just being unwanted that they needed to get rid of it somehow. Yeah, a great example of a customer that that really utilized the best case scenario was an airline who went from having very low recovery rates to utilizing our platform and being able to recapture iPads and then redeploy them to a flight academy that they contribute to financially. They were able to utilize the recovered funds to make a financial contribution, but also recovered devices to help the education side of that flight academy. So that's great. So it minimized the amount that, that did have to be disposed of. And because clearly they were good enough to be resold, we've got money as well. So so that's great. So that's that's a really positive example. 
yeah, that's really caused that customer to want to expand within their own business to, to other business units. And then as a way to, to support both their environmental efforts, but also their philanthropic and giving efforts. Where do you see the biggest failings when IT leaders are attempting to green their IT? I think they put a lot of, of emphasis on the procurement and the deployment stage of asset management and, and understandably because obviously they've got to get the right devices and they've got to get them deployed to their employees, but they often don't put enough planning into the recovery phase. And that's really a huge opportunity to be more full circle in their approach to asset management by being ready for recovery during the deployment stage. Yeah. What would you then say would be your top three tips for IT leaders who are trying to green their IT, trying to support their business stakeholders in building a more sustainable business overall? I would say, uh, especially because we are waiting any day now for the SEC to promulgate their rules around uh, scope one, two, and three reporting requirements that will go into effect very quickly here, is to uh, engage with suppliers and vendors and customers and be building those bridges for collecting that data. That's a really key thing to be doing right now if you're not already doing it. And engage with your chief sustainability officer in that. They are definitely focused on that right now. So IT leaders need to be making those connections within the C-suite and engaging. Plan for recovery in the procurement stage. So yeah. be thinking very holistically about the life cycle of the assets that you're deploying and how you're planning to recover those and then have the metrics to back up the avoided environmental impact that you were able to create as a result of that high recovery rate. So just to, to recap, really, there's a lot more opportunity to recover materials that are sitting within your organization. We can increase that percentage of materials being recycled but in the longer term, think about that legislation, look at your entire supply chain to get the data you need, and then think about your procurement. So you procure something that has low embedded carbon, low carbon use during life, has lots of recycled material. Yep. And avoiding, you know, having recycling as your kind of last choice, because yeah. reuse is always the highest and best utilization of those materials. So the standard is, has been for a long time recycling. We can do better with reuse. That's been really fascinating. Thank you so much for your, your time today, Alison. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. For more information on all things Mac at scale, more details on sustainability, please go to wegotyourmac.com. Thank you very much. Thanks. We Got Your Mac is produced by SHI International, a trusted global provider of end-user computing, hybrid infrastructure, and cybersecurity solutions to many of the world's most demanding technology users. SHI has more than 20 years' experience helping private and public sector organizations adopt Apple technologies and is an authorized Apple reseller. To be the first to hear or watch new episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and hit the notifications icon. Visit WeGotYourMac.com or SHI.com to solve what's next in delivering Mac at scale across your organization.